0: When you were a child, uh, what kinds of messages about yourself uh, did you receive from your parents, teachers, and the other important people uh, in your life? Some of us uh, were very fortunate. Uh, We had stable, healthy parents from whom uh, we heard the life-shaping input that You are loved, Uh, you are embraced, you are accepted, you're capable and you have what it takes to succeed. You will succeed. Some of us were not so fortunate. Uh, Some of us only had uh, one parent or parents that may not have been so stable and supportive. Uh, Some of us have experienced um, neglect and rejection and some of us heard the message, uh, you don't really belong. Maybe it didn't come through real overtly or real in any kind of cruel way, but there was an undertone of criticism or uh, a negative energy uh, coming uh, at us. Uh, you're not very attractive. Uh, you're always messing up or some form of that. Most of us probably experienced a little bit of both. And of course, over uh, most mostly over the course of our young lives, uh, as we receive this kind of information, particularly when we're quite small, there's no filter there. We just receive it typically and we believe it. And that input deeply shapes our self-perception, our self-concept. If the input, of course, is largely positive, uh, then we will develop a a healthy, stable uh, self-perception and the emotional stability just innately that comes with it. If we experience a lot of negative feedback, uh, we can become insecure and suffer for many years uh, from feelings of inferiority and incompetence that we have to compensate for in various kinds of ways. It's interesting to discover uh, that a significant part of the teaching of the New Testament is devoted to explaining how God thinks and feels about all of those who have been embraced by him and introduced into his kingdom family. I'd like to focus on three simple statements uh, that reveal uh, very clearly and very powerfully uh, his positive affirmation of all those who believe, of course, which includes the vast majority of or all the people in our audience this morning, as most of us know, uh, shortly after Jesus began his traveling and teaching publicly in Israel, uh, he gathered a group of men, a small group of men, to be his closest traveling companions and associates. And there were also a group of women, actually, uh, that traveled uh, with them at times. Uh, Matthew chapters six, uh, 5, 6, and 7 contains a summary of some of his initial teaching. Uh, to these men and to a broader group that had gathered at one particular point uh, to hear his teaching. And we read in Matthew, as recorded as Matthew records in chapter 5 and verse 13, Jesus made this statement about these individuals. Most of us, of course, have heard this. It's not unfamiliar to us when he says, you are the salt of the earth now for literally millennia before the invention of refrigeration salt was applied to meat to preserve it uh, there were very few uh, means of once a, an animal was killed butchered for the consumption it was very very few means available to most people of preserving it for very long until they discovered the use of salt as a preservative. How does it work? Well, salt contact when it's applied to meat and makes contact with bacteria that's in meat. Uh, the salt absorbs water through the cell wall and kills it. It essentially kills the bacteria, and presto, the meat doesn't spoil. It's preserved. And Jesus is teaching here that all of his genuine followers have a preservative effect. In the same way that salt preserves meat, his genuine followers, those who have understood his identity and believed in the only begotten son of God, who have then been embraced by him into his kingdom family, have had a profound change of identity and as he progressively changes them from within, he changes their values, he changes their ideology, their thinking, their choices, then the result of that is it has a very quiet but very real preserving effect on the culture of the people around them. Uh, This is a very positive affirmation. That Jesus is making about all of his genuine followers. It was once said that if the teaching of Christ is false, a lie has resulted in more good than the truth has ever achieved. And we look at the history of the Christian church. Of course, we all know if we have some familiarity with it, that there have been incidents of Christians behaving very badly. Uh, There are incidents, as we know, in the media every year of Christian leaders sometimes behaving very badly. But in the main, the broad mass that sometimes do not, those of us who, which is most of us, who do not acquire a lot of uh, notoriety, we're just quietly connecting with the living Christ. And he says that we are having a positive influence on the people in the uh, world around us. And he goes on in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14, uses another figure of speech to describe uh, his people. He says that you are the light of the world. Now, light uh, is electromagnetic uh, radiation. And whatever the source, uh, then it, it illuminates the objects around it and it permits our eyes to see reality. We are quite literally blind without some form of electromagnetic radiation that's illuminating the world or the objects around us. And it's interesting that in this passage, while he says you are the light of the world, John, uh, the Apostle John, as recorded in chapter eight of his account of the life of Jesus, he, he records Jesus as saying that I, Jesus referring to himself, I am the light of the world all who follow me won't live in darkness they'll experience the light of life so as we integrate these two passages of course we conclude that as we follow him as we as we respond to his instruction over a period of time he progressively illuminates our thinking he he opens our eyes uh, to dimensions of god's character uh, of his program of his feelings, of his commitment to his people. Uh, We are our thinking is changed by that. And then we slowly become capable of reflecting that light to other people. Of course, the moon isn't a source of light, but at times it can clearly reflect the light of the sun in the same way uh, as we experience the illumination, the spiritual illumination that can come from a vital connection, a living connection with the living Christ, uh, we can more clearly reflect the light of the Son of God. That's what this passage uh, is teaching us. But then the Apostle Paul also provides us with uh, teaching about the positive identity of Christ followers. Uh, He makes a fascinating statement uh, about the Christians at Corinth that, of course, applies to all of us as as followers of Christ today. Uh, Chapter 5, verse 18 through 20. uh, Paul says, God reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. That, of course, means that God has reconciled each of his uh, people to himself in a spiritual sense. In John, you know, chapter 10, he says, no one can ever take you out of my hands. Literally, he makes that statement. So he reconciles us to himself. And then he gives us the privilege and opportunity, despite our weaknesses, despite our vacillations, the discouragements, confusion, whatever. Uh, he has actually given to us the unspeakable opportunity and privilege of being some small and sometimes large influence in helping others to enter into that reconciliation. And he says clearly here in the in verse uh, following verse, he says, he has committed to us. The word of reconciliation. What a beautiful term. Reconciliation means that there is a state of peace that is established between two parties that were previously uh, in some sort of alienation. And so he has given us the word of reconciliation. And therefore, he says, we are ambassadors uh, for Christ as though God were entreating through us. So just as a different uh, diplomatic and State Department personnel are representing their nations uh, in the capital city of China, Beijing, uh, here, he says that each of us, genuine follower, are in the same sense a type of ambassador for this invisible kingdom that is on the earth, around the world, and that is slowly working quietly through uh, the culture of the world to accomplish God's purposes. So uh, briefly, and then I've got another interview for you this morning, I think you'll really enjoy. Uh, but given our identity, and of course there's a lot more teaching in the New Testament about how God views us and how he feels about us as his beloved children, But at the very end of his life on earth, he gives his people corporately some very specific instructions. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, this is the last chapter in Mark's account of the life of Jesus. Jesus is recorded as saying, go into all the world and proclaim the good news everywhere. This is good news. The opportunity that the, that to be able to express in some uh, simple way or build a relationship and then help somebody begin grappling with this extraordinary idea that God has taken initiative on earth for a long period of time, but specifically through the person of Jesus of Nazareth to reconcile uh, people, to himself, it's a message of peace. It's a message of forgiveness. It's a message of grace. It's a message of loving kindness, and of the greatness of God reaching out on planet Earth, seeking people to come to Himself. And He says, this is "Good news! It's really beautiful, magnificent news." And he says, go and share that the best you can. Get it out there because people need uh, this information. And in Matthew chapter 28, he says uh, in another address to his people, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That means no matter the obstacles, no, no matter the challenges, he will achieve what he intends. And therefore, we are on the winning team. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. They remember I am with you always to the end of the age. So we obviously can perceive in this that this is not just a promise to these immediate followers during the life of, of Christ. Jesus is saying that in his spirit, his presence will be with his people. Energizing and enabling and encouraging and equipping them to move into their world and to be effective, fruitful representatives of Him. Well, instead of merely talking about um, the kinds of changes uh, that can happen in a person's life or kind of changes that have occurred in my life over you know many years of uh, seeking to be a, a christ follower i 'd like to interview a very good friend, uh, Dan Anselmo, who has a, a remarkable story of how he came to faith in Christ and how uh, a community of believers, not this one because Dan has been a, a, a believer for some time, uh, can be a life shaping influence in the life of somebody else so come on up Dan Dan is a uh, Golf and been a golf coach and instructor for uh, most of his adult life. I'll get you a mic here. Um, and uh, he and his associate Ralph Howe, that you saw earlier this morning, and I'm not exaggerating, they're probably two uh, of the best golf uh, teachers in China. Um, Dan has an amazing uh, heritage. His dad, John Anselmo, uh, was Tiger Woods' a principal coach uh, when Tiger was a junior, between 10 years old and uh, 18, when he won a lot of his junior championships. I got a chance to play golf, 18 holes, with his dad, who is 92 years old. Uh, last fall, did you think 91. 91. Excuse me. That's wanted, so fast. I want to inflate that. Uh, I've had, let me just say briefly, I've had several lessons from Dan, and he's worked very hard to get my golf swing in positions in which an older body most definitely does not uh, prefer to go. And uh, Captain Compassion here has said at different times, he said, If you want to feel comfortable, go get a massage. So I was asking him, get out of here. <laughs> I was asking him last week if he would uh, think about doing this, and uh, he said, well, Let me think about it today and I'll tell you. But I've got to tell you, I'm a little uncomfortable. So, given my extraordinary sensitivity, you'll never guess what I said. <laughs> if you want to feel comfortable, go get a massage. <laughs> Tell us, this is the, your time now. Tell us about your background, where you grew up, uh, your parents, dad, California upbringing, so whatever you like to share.
1: Well, first, I don't ever cross Tom, because you'll end up here. <laughs> uh, paybacks are, he can be pretty mean, but, um, um, you know, I grew up in California, and, um, you know, obviously in a, in a golf family, and... Uh, it's a. It's, it was a great experience. Right into it. Yeah. It, it was a great experience to, uh, you know, grow up around such a great, great game and be around just terrific people. Um, my father was was an orphan, and uh, and he grew up in the uh, depression time and and um, so it was a difficult thing for him to be a. A parent and so he was really good at teaching and he was really good at uh, you know inspiring people but he didn't know how to be a father and it took me a number of years to realize that and in that we were left um, my my, I have have a brother and uh, and a sister I'm the youngest and in that we um, didn't have a lot of care And, and, and I would imagine my mother had the same kind of experience uh, because um, she underwent a hysterectomy in the early 60s and, and wasn't able to deal with the changes and, and maybe the unhappiness in her life. And she started to use alcohol. And she was never a drinker. And years, I mean, within a couple of years, she was, she was already uh, suffering from liver damage and at the age of nine she passed away and uh, so as a kid you know how do you deal with that and and uh, i really didn't know how it was a difficult thing for us and uh, and um, but we move on and my father remarried a short time later we moved into uh, central california purchased another golf course and 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 life just goes on and and later on we uh you know it's, it, the, the type of life we lived was was I want very to speak much
0: right into there we go yeah there we go
1: sorry sorry
0: okay 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 good. sorry leave him alone said <laughs> okay I'll leave you
1: but later on we uh as you get older, you start to recognize and you see that the life that, that, that we were living was, was very much around golf and party, and, and, and we had a club that, that we owned and belonged to, and, and I had a lot of family members of, of, of our customers and his students. But it was, it was really centered around just having a good time. And uh, that was very much a part of, of my life. And so as we went into high school, and uh, we went into, uh, we, we lived very close to a Catholic high school, so we went there. My brother and I, and um, I'm playing golf, playing playing well, and but uh, struggling with with being able to get along or get to know people. I guess peer pressure. I'm I'm lonely, and so I find that wow, I, I can I can relate to people that are out. Partying and having a good time. And so that's a life I chose. And uh, school started to take a back back seat. And uh, even though I was playing good golf and thinking everything's going to turn out just great for me, um, it didn't. Meaning I, I got through high school without any kind of scholarship. and But uh, I was pretty good at partying, so I continued in that life. And uh, so... That's, that was pretty much my upbringing, and, and then we moved. My father moved to Southern California in my my uh, uh, college years, and then I followed him down there and found myself uh, working, still trying to go to school, having a good time, and uh, uh, got involved with some people that were out of the 60s, kind of the hippie revolution, we moved in together, and, you know, the party continued on. Um, the, um, you know, the, the great thing about that time, it, this is probably the late 70s, was there was tremendous opportunity, and I found that I could, I was involved, I got involved in the computer industry. This thing called uh, IBM Computer hadn't come out yet. And so I was able to make a lot of money selling Selling computer systems and uh, and of course, the party continued on and was fortunate enough and met a, another lady then, and we got married and and uh, and we had a daughter and and we were doing quite well and as you climb up the corporate ladder you 're able to earn and we bought a home and and we were and we were blessed with a, a little girl and and um, you know, and and I have to mention again, God was never a part of my life. Uh, I don't remember a prayer in our home at all, at any time, and uh, and so never was. And um, but but we're married, and everything's doing well. And then uh, uh, the economy in the late '80s kind of bottomed out, and I lost my job, and and so the. The funds and the party ended, and because our we had no rock or anything to stand on in our in our relationship, our marriage ended, and so I had a I had to kind of regroup and and uh, was not able to get work, and and so I just we sold off the house and went our separate ways, and then I. Uh, moved to uh, down near the beach and just got a little one bedroom apartment and kind of settled in to be a single dad and I was sharing uh, sharing the uh, custody with, with with my daughter, who at that time was now about three and as that time went on, we we um, um, were just getting settled in and I was starting to reflect and look at look at my life as to you know what is this uh, you know, everything always seemed to land on its feet, but I'd always seemed to land on my feet in whatever kind of problem I had. But I didn't land on my feet this time. And you start to look at yourself and I'm saying, wow, I don't, you know, my mother basically uh, died from alcoholism. I had an older brother who was who was uh, uh, showed many signs of, of, of having uh, a problem also. And I had to start looking and saying, wow, you're you're, you're kind of head that direction. So i did something where i said okay i'm gonna i'm only gonna party on the weekends and of course by the time friday came along it was it wasn't pretty and uh so then i had to take another look and say you know this this needs to end but um, during that time there was a a young lady that i had met years and years ago Uh, we happened to meet each other driving along the road and and we pulled off the road together and you know just shared stories and sh- and she knew that that how my life had changed and and uh realized that we lived you know within a mile of each other near the beach and she worked in a health food restaurant and and uh and uh i was working in a little electronic store just just kind of just taking my taking it easy just trying to figure out what was next and uh, and so we became friends and started hanging out together, and and um, both of us were kind of searching, and I was feeling, like I said, I, I needed to do something, make some changes, and so we started looking at Eastern meditation, and, and, uh, and um, you know, and, and all sorts of, uh, I was going to a uh, church of religious science, New Age, science of mind kind of thing, so I was uh, really starting to explore, and you know, really came to a realization during that time that, yeah, there is a God. And so that was important. And uh, uh, I uh, spent a great deal of time with this young lady and and uh, really started to get attached to her, too. And, of course, she didn't want anything to do with me. I was previously married. I had a daughter. And... Uh, and so she wasn't really interested in me in, in, in that way, but we were really good friends. We were really good together. And so we really enjoyed our time, but she didn't want to cross over into that into that romantic the thing with me. And so that was really hard for me. And uh and then later on she starts there's some young man starts talking to her about becoming a Christian. And uh and that was, whoa, that was really hard for me. I'm thinking, there's no way. But uh, and then she tells me one day, she is, I believe, in Jesus. And, uh, and you need to also. And I'm, now, this is, I can't do this. Uh, I was a, uh was a, uh, there was years ago, there was a guy on that used to be on TV that would, uh, during uh, American football, he would somehow position himself Behind the goalpost, and some of you may remember him, he would have uh, rainbow-colored hair, and after a touchdown, they would kick a field goal, and he would have a sign that said John 316. And to show the, the animosity that I had, we would throw beer cans at this guy. And it was, it was you know, we were, we were very anti-Christian as a result of that, because I would believe what the media was saying and so on. So at this point, all of my past and background and history starts to come up when this person I care about is becoming a Christian. And so I continue on and, and uh, going through my church religious science. And, and uh, she starts inviting me to church, of course. She was a good, good, good Christian girl. And, uh, and so I would go with her on occasion. And I enjoyed the time, but, you know, I really kept it at a distance. But I went with her one Sunday night, and, uh, and the uh, pastor uh, spoke of, uh, as a parent, and me being, you know, a, a single parent, he really spoke to my heart. And he spoke from the Bible. So all the wisdom and everything that I was searching for, it was really right there. And it had been there you know, prior to all this new age thinking that I was thinking of, but it was already there, it was living, it was breathing, it was, it was there. And, uh, and so it was, I could feel my world really starting to rock and shake. So I went home that night, and, um, and uh, I just said to God, if, if, if you really are there, i got to have something. I need you to do something to, for me. And went to sleep. Next day, I I uh, I uh, just go about my day. Probably forgot about you know what I said the night before. And an unusual day in that that I my daughter had to go to preschool and I was going to pick her up from school. And she uh, we had this normal routine when I would pick her up at her at her school. She would be out about 100 yards into the playground, and she kind of knew the time that we would, I would come pick her up, so she'd be looking. And when she'd see me come through the door, she would just, whatever she was doing, she would drop, leap, and just run. And she would run into my arms and jump, and, you know, and it was just, you know, what a welcome, huh? And, and so she'd, this day, though, she sees me, and she starts marching towards me. And she's just walking, and she's got a very serious look on her face, and, and I see she's got something in her hand. And so she comes up to me, and she just hands me this this little booklet in her, that she had in her hand, and says, this is for you, Daddy. I picked it up on the playground. I said, all right, all right, right, okay. My mind's already, we're, we're moving on, and I, haven't, I really wasn't thinking about the night before. And... And I saw it, you know, and it had that familiar kind of blue color that, that you would see with the um, Jehovah Witness watchtower uh, kind of look. So I, I kind of almost, I remember looking at the trash can. I could still see it that I almost threw this into, but I didn't. Something made me not do that. So I held on to this little booklet, and the title of the booklet was My Search. So I... I continue, and we go home, and you know, dinner, and all that stuff, and and baths, and you know, and maybe a little TV, and reading, and fun, and and put her to bed, and and then I bring this little booklet out, and I read it, and it's my story. It's my story, basically. The this fellow was a uh, uh, architect, living for the same thing, you know. Life was just parting, and 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 then when everything stopped, his life collapsed as mine did and, uh, and that was my story and then someone introduced him to, to the Jesus and and of course I read that story and just everything came back from the night before it's like wow you know God you did answer and so at that point I gave my life to the Lord you know there was a little prayer at the end I read the prayer and and did it um, you know the tears it was just it was just an incredible experience uh, maybe a week or so later, I, just to make sure, I went to a Greg Laurie, uh who's a uh, pastor in uh, California, and he would hold a Monday night service. So I went and, and re-ded- you know, dedicated my life to the Lord just to make sure I did it right. So I wanted to make sure I did it right. And, uh, and so that's, the, that's how Jesus tracked me down.
0: And you married that girl, didn't you?
1: Well, that's the best part of the story. <laughs> Mm. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's a long story too. Yeah, that but, took a couple of years, and that would be a lot of fun to share, but I don't think we have time for that. But but yeah. I have my beautiful wife. Finally, after a number of years, she uh, married me, and we now have five wonderful kids. Mm. Thank you. Uh, we Sorry.
0: we are no 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 don't don't no perfect. Um, we are running a little short on time um it's interesting i mean as i dan and i are very good friends we've had a number of meals together uh, it's been very interesting to see his uh, journey through life uh, since that since then all kinds of fascinating experiences of how god uh, has worked in his life and in colleen's life and the life of their kids today uh they uh, together with the house uh it's talking about ambassadors um they run a uh, golf academy over near the airport expressway and they have access uh, to a large number of what is in the media would call the chinese princelings that is the children of extremely Uh, Wealthy and influential either politicians or very, very senior uh, business types and their children uh, live uh, a life of relative luxury and ease, Uh, but they spend lots and lots of time uh, with people who are positioned to um, be very prominent. In the culture of China in the decades to come. And their mission in coming to China, both of them, was not only to be good golf instructors, but to be a quiet but effective uh, influence, to be salt and light, just hoping that this would evolve. And uh, as, you, I, you know, as you learn more about it, you think, oh my goodness, uh, this is a real demonstration of God's providence uh, in placing them in this strategic place. Uh, Next week, we're going to continue and and conclude our series on Church, Why Bother? And in then in that uh, next week, I will talk a little bit more about uh, our role as ambassadors. uh, But one of the key reasons that we do church and that we are instructed to do that is that because together, uh, as we unite, uh, we are better enabled and equipped uh, to function out of the identity that uh, Christ has given us as his people, uh, as his children, uh, as his ambassadors, as salt and light in the world. Uh, we would like, why don't you pray for us, and then uh, Melinda is going to come up and tell us about the picnic today. So.